Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. I want to. I don't know how far I'm going to get in this. We'll see. Um, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter one. I, I'm teaching uh, a Bethesda College class right now on the Holy Spirit. So some of you that are in that class might hear some familiar things tonight. But uh, you know, say, well, a pastor, I, I'm I'm from a Pentecostal church. I've heard this before. Listen, Pentecost is not about a denomination or a church you attend. Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit and an experience and a lifestyle. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Maybe my microphone's not on. Can you all hear me in the back? I said Pentecost is, is not about a church that you attend or a denomination that you're a part of. It is a lifestyle. It is a person. It is experience. The Holy Spirit is a person. So I'm just going to dig around tonight. We'll see how far we get, and I don't have a ton of time, so we may not get far, but we'll just, we'll see where we go. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the end of the earth. Yeah, that, I'm glad that this crowd understands that verse. Uh, but Acts 1-4, before Acts 1-8, everybody say Acts 1-4. He commanded them. Everybody say commanded. This wasn't an option. <laughs> this was not, put that verse back up there. This is not optional. Acts 1.4. This is not optional. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what? Wait. To wait. He said what? Wait. Wait. Now this is significant. Jesus in John 19, after he had ascended, if you remember, Jesus came to the disciples. They were all locked, locked in a room for fear that they were going to get arrested. And Jesus, what? He came in the room. He walked through the walls, came in the room. And, he, and, and Thomas, you know, whoa, what are you doing here? How'd that happen? You know, uh, let me touch, you know, like what? And, and Jesus, what did he do? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that, that moment they received this was the first encounter with the resurrected Christ it was the it was the first salvation post the cross you know we see Jesus the thief on the cross who received salvation but this was the first salvation experience post resurrection and he says to them receive the holy spirit you know it's interesting to me this you know do you have to have the holy spirit to go to heaven do you have to be baptized in the holy spirit let me say that different do you have to be baptized in the holy spirit to go to heaven no we know we know this we had the thief on the cross who Jesus said, before today's over, you'll be with me in paradise. There, there was no baptism in the Holy Spirit yet. Okay, so, so is it required to go to heaven? No, but, but does it make the journey a whole lot easier to have the fullness, the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Jesus, you, where'd my verse go? It keeps disappearing. Put that back up there, Acts 1-4. Acts 1-4, there we go. He says... Do, but wait for the promise of the Father. 
Now, let me just pause here because Luke, who wrote Acts? Luke. Who wrote Luke? Luke, not a trick question. Okay. So, so Luke has an encounter with Christ. He catches this phrase and he uses it in Luke 24, verse 49. Don't go there on the screens. Leave my verse. But Luke 24, 49, if you're taking... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he says, wait, and Jesus used the same term in Luke 24, shocking that it would be, the Holy Spirit would use the same phrase, promise of the Father, wait, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive and are endued. The word Luke uses in Luke 24 is until you are endued with power from on high. He says, I'm sending the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he said, you have heard from me. Jesus had been teaching them of what was to come. So in Acts chapter 2, fast forward, the, the, the disciples, 500, start off, end up with 120, all hanging out in the temple, all waiting on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, all waiting on the promise of the Father, all waiting on the gift. And Acts chapter 2 happens. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Everybody say, fully come. This was the 50th day, it was the day of Pentecost, the day of weeks, the Feast of Weeks, Feast of Pentecost, had fully come. This was the big day. There was hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem celebrating the feast. This was one of those feasts that they were required to take a pilgrimage for into Jerusalem. So there's a lot of people there, and they're from all over. We capture that in a little later of Acts 2. And it says, they were all with one accord. Everybody say, one accord. They were in unity. That word one accord in the Greek is more than them just being in unity. I love the, the Greek word here. It is actually, it is used to describe a symphony that is led and directed by an orchestra or symphony director. And so the picture that is portrayed for us here is that they were in one place being as instruments directed by the Holy Spirit. And so when we come together in prayer of unison in one place, there's, there's a difference. There's, there was a whole lot of people in the temple that day that were not being directed by the choir director, the orchestra director, the Holy Spirit. The temple was full of people for Pentecost. Here in the temple, you had two worlds happening. You had the world of the religious that were going about the religious feast. Does anybody hear me? And then there, there's the world of the, those that were waiting for something more than religion. There was, there was a crowd there that was waiting for the promise of the Father and they were being directed by, like a, like a symphony, the director, the Holy Spirit. The rest of the people were going about doing their religious duty and the whole time missed, missed the Holy Spirit who was directing the whole thing. And instead of receiving, they became players around the outer court. They were standing in the middle of the temple, but they ended up being in the outer court of His presence. 
Do you see the, do you see the comparison here? Do you, do you see the analogy? Do you see it? Is it, is it hitting you in your, in your revelatory eyes yet that here in the middle of the temple where the glory is supposed to be, you have people who are missing the glory because they're all about religion, not about the promise. They missed it. And they became people on the outside watching what was happening on the inside. It's a word of caution to you and I that we don't want to be on the outer courts. We don't want to have religious, religious eyes. We want to have eyes that are in tune, ears that are in tune, our spirit man in tune with what God is saying and doing. We, we want to be in tune with what Jesus is doing. Anyway, so you've got this one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Sorry, this microphone's getting on my nerves. Every once in a while it does that. There came a sound from heaven, and as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. Somebody going to come and get this, or just look at me? There's... (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate that. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. There was a tongue of fire for each of them. There's a tongue of fire for each of you. God wants to fill you with fire, each one of you. If there's not fire in your bones, there's a fire flame flaming from heaven for you. There's a, there's a tongue of fire on the altar of God for you. I said there's a tongue of fire on the altar of God for you. There's a little flame of fire. Paul, Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up, fan into flame. Stir up the flame that's on the inside of you. Fan into flame the gift of God that's on the inside of you by laying on of my hands. I want to tell you tonight, if there's anything that the church needs today, it's to fan into flame the gift of God that's been given to us. Say, Pastor, I've heard this before. Good, you need to hear it again. You need to fan... Fan into flame. Can you just bring up my monitor just a touch? Fan into flame the gift of God that's on the inside of you. The gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Fan. Stir it up. Oh, let, me, let me just, well, we'll just, we'll, we're on a journey. Let me not jump ahead here in this journey. And they were all filled. Verse 4. They were all filled. Everybody say all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. I need monitor. That would be great. They were all filled and began to speak with other tongues. They were all filled and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now this is, a, this is a great word here in the Greek, this word utterance. The word utterance here is the word apophathegomai. I won't take the time to spell that for you because I can't. But it's the, it's the word used, it means elevated discourse. 
It's a, it's a Holy Spirit-inspired utterance. He's giving you the ability. Now, when we're talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, uh, the Holy Spirit does not come down from heaven and grab your tongue and start jerking your tongue around. That's not how this works. You have to open your mouth. You have to yield your mouth. Does anybody hear me tonight? Hallelujah. You have to open your mouth. You have to speak. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Now, did the Holy Spirit come grab your tongue when you said that, or did you have to open your mouth? You open your mouth. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's the same way. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability. He will give you the discourse. You have to open your mouth. It's much like preaching or prophesying. I can preach or prophesy in my natural language, but it's not prophecy. It's not, it's not powerful preaching unless the Holy Spirit gives me the words to say. He's got to put an anointing on it. He's got to give me the discourse. And it's the same with speaking in tongues, receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and praying in tongues. He's got to place his hand on us and give us the ability to do this. I can't teach you how to pray in tongues. The Holy Spirit can. And then there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, I love that, when this sound, they were drawn to the sound, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, it's interesting here, if you skip through all of the ites and all of the people, and you get to verse 11, it says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They were not, they were not in the middle of the temple preaching sermons. They were all standing around worshiping. And they were all worshiping in tongues. And as they were worshiping, some of the tongues that were coming out were tongues of, of men, of, of, uh, of languages that they could understand. And they, they heard them speak in their own language the wonderful works of God. And so they were amazed. That word perplexed there, or confused, it means that they were literally driven insane by what was happening. There was such a stir about what was going on in the middle of the temple that it, it drove them crazy. Have you ever met people like that, that the outpouring of the Spirit of God just drives them crazy? They don't understand it. They don't like the tongues. They don't like the joy. They don't like the manifestations. They don't like His presence, whatever it is. And it just, it just irritates them. It just makes them mean. Well, that's nothing new. It happened on the day of Pentecost. So we shouldn't be surprised when people don't understand. And notice, notice the people that went insane by it. They were driven crazy. It was the same religious crowd that was missing out on what was happening. They were right in the middle of the outpouring and didn't receive. You can be right in the middle of what God is doing and get nothing. See it happening all around you. Observe it, hear it, and miss it. Yikes. And here they are, praying in tongues, hearing the wonderful works of God. And then Peter, what happened? Peter stands up. I've said it before, some of you, 
have heard me say it, I'll say it again. There was no quarrel about who was going to stand up and preach. There was no fighting. There was no, there was no uh, question over leadership or authority. They stood up and Peter, and it says he raised his voice, same word as utterance, apophathegomai, same Greek word. He raised his voice, elevated discourse, spirit-inspired discourse, and he begins to preach. Men of Judea, it's interesting, he, the first thing he addressed is, these men are not drunk as you suppose. You know, he could have said anything. The Holy Spirit could have had him start with anything, but the Holy Spirit, when he puts his hand on him, the very first thing he says is, they ain't drunk. <laughs> so that tells me what? That there was, they looked like they were intoxicated. They would not have accused them of being drunk, and Peter wouldn't have had to address them being dr drunk if they didn't look drunk and act drunk. They started off seated, seated but they went to drunkenness. <laughs> they went from being seated to drunk. There is absolute, now listen, I've had, we got on to this, I'll just, I'll highlight this. What do I got on time here? Okay, I got to make this quick. It amazes me how many times people will attribute the work of God to carnality or, or the devil because they don't understand. Well, that, I, I just don't understand that. Uh, you know, I don't understand. Why do people laugh in church? I just don't understand the joy. Would you rather than be depressed? Would you rather than be sad? What's the big deal about laughing in church? What's, what's, what's the big deal about laughter? Heaven's going to be a happy place. There's going to be a lot of laughter in heaven. If you don't like laughter on earth, you sure are not going to like laughter in heaven. It's going to be crazy. It's funny with the things that we get. Who cares if somebody laughs? When you go to a sporting event and have a good time, you laugh, you cut up, you have a good time. When, when you win a game or you're successful at something, you laugh. You have a good, Why would you not laugh in church? Are we not, are we not happy? Should we, is the salvation we've been given not joyful? Yes. And so we got to be filled with joy. What's wrong with that? Who cares? So it's funny, you know, people have their, they have their things, they have their responses about the joy. Well, that's just distracting. Well, what's distracting about it is that people around you are getting something and you're not because you're sitting in a place of judgment instead of receiving. So when you move out of judgment and criticizing into receiving, you might get something and find yourself not judging. It's kind of like, you know, I had someone tell me one time, well, you know, I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit, so when you preach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I, I feel like I'm, I'm missing something. And I looked at him, I said, and? You are. <laughs> well, it might make people feel uncomfortable. And? It might. But does that mean I'm going to stop preaching salvation because truth makes people uncomfortable? No. So get in. Don't sit and judge. Say, Lord, what do you have for me? Well, it's not, it's not for me. That's a lie from the devil. Because I'll tell you, I, I'm going to skip ahead because I'm, I'm short on time, but I've I got to get here. 
This, this is for you. How do I know that? Because Acts 2, verse 38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He talks this, part A, follow, part A, forgiveness of sins. Part B, here it is, verse 38. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Part B, two promises right there that Peter addresses. Verse 39, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. I think you're included in that. I'm just saying, you know, I might be interpreting this wrong, but I think you're included in that. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit? It's the baptism. It's the promise of the Father. It's the immersion into the Holy Spirit, being baptized in this wonderful gift. More, Lord. Now, it's interesting. I'm going to keep going just for a minute. They said, you, Jesus told them they got to wait. Don't go anywhere. You got to receive. What are they receiving? John, John the Baptist talked about this. In John chapter 1, This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The beginning, the very beginning. Everybody say beginning. This is at the very beginning. Jesus is coming out to be baptized. John the Baptist is out preaching repentance. By the way, this message was not the common message of the day. John the Baptist is clothed in his, you know, camel hair, eating his locust, and telling everybody there are a brood of vipers. This is... This is not your seeker-friendly church. How many did we lose today, John? I don't know. And this, is, this was not what church is today, let me tell you. And, and Jesus comes up, and in verse, let's see here, let's start at verse 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, that's an interesting statement because who, who, who got pregnant first, Elizabeth or Mary? John the Baptist was conceived first. He's not talking about his natural birth here. He's talking about a heavenly heavenly man. He was before me. This is the eternal one. This is the eternal one. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. In other words, this is why I'm here. This man who just walked up, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And we're okay with that message. But then John the Baptist, of whom Jesus said was the greatest prophet of all, says this. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. And I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who, what, baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So he says... This is he who's going to baptize you. His ministry is to seek and to save the lost and to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. You can receive 
That's what Jesus is sitting in heaven right now doing, is pouring out his spirit. Acts 2, verse 33. Well, let, let, let me go back. I, I'm, I'm skipping around. There's a lot here, and, and I don't have the time like I wanted, so I'm just going to try to wrap this up soon. But, but Acts 2, Peter's preaching. Peter goes through, and he's, he quotes from Joel. He's prophesying from Joel. We're familiar with that, but he says a lot more than what's in Joel. He says, verse 23, he says, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. What does that mean? He's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus was delivered to you, you murderers. He's right in the middle of the temple and calling all the people that are around a bunch of murderers. And he says, God delivered him. It was predetermined. And in the foreknowledge of God that Jesus would be delivered. He said, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And David says, this is a prophecy from Psalms regarding David, he's, uh, regarding Jesus. He says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. This is a prophecy about Jesus. My heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. That sounds like the baptism in the Holy Spirit to me. That sounds like the effect of the presence of the Lord. I think we just heard testimony of that tonight. It's my heart was glad. I felt my heart strangely warmed. My heart leaped within me, leapt within me, and my tongue was rejoicing. It was glad. It was joyful. It laughed. It sang. It worshiped. It prayed in tongues. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades. By the way, so verse 26 is directly connected to Psalms 126, that he, he fills my mouth with gladness. And moreover, my flesh will rest in hope is directly connected to, to Isaiah 28, 11, and 12 that prophesies... With another tongue, I will speak to this people. And this is the rest with which I will give them. Do you see the connection here? My flesh will rest in hope. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy. Everybody say joy. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Isn't that what Hebrews 1.9 says? Is that you, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions? This is a prophecy that David gave concerning Jesus, and it ties in with all these scriptures. And then Peter goes on, verse 33, and says this, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. What are we talking about here? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. He is pouring out this which you now see in here. This baptism is a happy, joyful baptism. It's a joyful immersion into the Holy Spirit. This is the same spirit of love. 
He's the, he is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts is also the joy of God overflowing in our lives. And it's expressed in heavenly languages. We, we speak mysteries to God. It, it's expressed as we pray in tongues and we worship in, in tongues. As we sing in tongues, Paul talked about singing. I sing in the spirit. I sing with my understanding. I pray with my spirit. I pray in my, with the understanding. So he's talking about going between the two with tongues and in our natural language. But this, this, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. Amen. You can be filled. (laughs) You, say me. You need a fresh baptism. Pastor Grace, where are you at? Why don't you get your crew on up here? You need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, you you may have received 50, 60 years ago or two weeks ago, but there we see in Scripture, I, I, I don't have time to get to it. I'll just keep going. I'll keep you here all night. We'll be here till 11 o'clock. There's, we see over and over and over subsequent baptisms and immersions. There's, there's that, that initial day of outpouring, but man, there's more. I said, there's more. There's more for you. There's more for you. You can be immersed. Is your prayer language fluid? Are you, does it, is it flowing naturally, easily? Or has it gotten crusty and hard and hard heart? You know what happens as our heart gets hard by emotional, we're, things happen in life, we stop operating in a place of faith, and we move into a place of fear. You know, that's our greatest, that in, in all aspects of Christianity, is our, that's one of our greatest enemies is fear. You know, we move out of a place of faith into a place of fear. Why do we do that? Because we've moved out of the security of his love. We move perfect love, cast out fear, right? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of love, right? If you ask the Father to give you a blessing, is he going to give you a serpent? No, absolutely not. Our Heavenly Father is going to pour out his spirit. But we we move into a place of fear because we've moved out of the security of his love. And so if you can plant yourself right in the middle of his love and say, God, I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying right in the center of your love. You can operate in a place of faith. And continue to be in a place of receiving. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.